The Tom Woods Show, episode 1788. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Hey, everybody. This Christmas season, if you're struggling with that person who's so difficult to buy for, I have just the thing. A Roaster's Choice subscription from the official coffee of the Tom Woods Show, Press House. Wonderful new coffees delivered to your recipient's door every month. Take 20% off your first order when you go to PressHouseCoffee.com and use promo code WOODS at checkout. Hey, everybody. Tom Woods here. Before we get into today's episode, just a reminder that not August, as I originally thought, but October 2021 will be the 2000th episode live event, just like the 1000th episode event. It's going to be at the same venue, if all goes well, the Rosen Center in Orlando, Florida. I don't have the exact date, but sometime in October 2021, probably a Saturday night, I would think. And it's going to be great. I have so many fun things planned for that night, and it won't cost you a cent to attend. Entry is free. So more details on that coming, but just stay tuned to the podcast or to my newsletter. Of course, you know you can hop on many different ways. Wrongaboutlockdown.com is one way. AOCiswrong.com is another way. But that way you'll know what's up. This is an event you will not want to miss. The thousandth episode was great enough, but this is going to put that one to shame. Anyway, today I'm talking to Alan Stevo, who is the author of the new book, Face Masks in One Lesson. And we're going to talk uh, primarily about how it's possible to live your life without wearing one, if that's what you choose to do. Alan, welcome to the show. Dr. Woods, thank you for having me. This is not quite the book I thought it was going to be. That doesn't mean it's a bad book or you did the wrong thing, but it it's not quite the coverage of the issue that I was expecting. What were you looking for? Well, I thought it was going to be a critique of the, you know, a review of the scientific literature and a critique of of wearing masks and so on and on. Whereas this is more of a user manual regarding how to navigate a world of masked people. So what what gave you the idea to to start this project? Writing on LouRockwell.com from the time that the uh, the lockdown started, I was just getting lots of notes from people about kind of the the greatest tensions they were having in life, and some of them were. Things like, well, how am I going to go to a grocery store unmasked? How do I go to the doctor unmasked? Questions like this. And from answering readers' letters, I, I came to this conclusion. This was a needed, a needed book out there. So I, I do want to spend uh, the bulk of our time on, obviously, what it is you're arguing here. But we have to begin by anticipating a natural objection. Now, you do get into some of this material later in the book. But the natural objection is... I get that nobody really likes wearing a mask. We're not, if we liked wearing them, we would already have been doing so. We all get that it's not an ideal situation, but it's a simple act of responsibility that you can perform for somebody else. And when you consider that you could be saving somebody's life, well, surely the trivial inconvenience of mask wearing is nothing as compared to that. I mean, you got to have a response to that. Oh, totally. Well, first of all, the mask isn't going to save anyone's life. And the book starts with with that there, speaking about some of the science behind it. But you know what? At the same time, you're right that if someone wants to, the, the problem is mandating the mask wearing. If someone wants to wear a mask and if someone wants to make someone else feel comfortable by wearing a mask, I, I think they should. Nothing should stop them from doing that. Okay. Just that at this point, 
the mask is considered to be the sign of whether you are being a responsible citizen or not. So the thing is that you could, no doubt, and you've described how you can do it, you can come up with ways that an individual person might be able to get away with not wearing one. But then they have to be, you know, of tough enough stuff that they can endure what is surely going to happen to them, which is nasty faces, nasty comments, uh, the presumption that they're stupid and backward and they don't understand science and stuff like that. I mean, what, do you have guidance for that? Absolutely. And this, Dr. Woods, this is even, this is the reason I wrote the book, really, that if you're not ready for that kind of backlash, you know, no one, no one is asking anyone to spend their Christmas in a fetid French trench or to storm Omaha Beach or anything like that. This is, you know, can you put up with a little resistance? Can you put up with some sneers? Maybe someone getting in your face. Because if you can't do that right now over a small issue like a face mask, you're not going to be able to do it over an issue like a vaccine. Or you're not going to be able to do it over an issue like uh, what happens at your child's school three months down the road, whatever that may be. So I think now is really wonderful kind of proving ground to kind of work up some of that gumption. Okay, fair enough. So let's talk about the gist of the book. Obviously, by calling it face masks in one lesson, you are you know, recalling a title that will be familiar to most libertarians, namely economics in one lesson. And I have a listener who is a musician who wrote a book called Music Theory in One Lesson. So what is the one lesson? Yeah, the book's uh, 300 plus pages. And that's kind of for a slow learner like me who wants to sit down and read the whole book before they, you know, live a more free life. But the first 10 pages or so, 15 pages, that's kind of the lesson there. And the lesson is uh, describing how to never wear a face mask again. And I, I go through that a little bit with two things that, that are kind of the anchors of the process, but there's, there's a bunch of other stuff. But the two things are, make sure you take a look at the policy, that you get the actual written policy in your hands and have a look at it, because most people haven't read a policy, whether they're enforcing it or if they're having enforced upon them, they haven't looked at it. So that's one step to simply read that policy governmental, non-governmental, whatever it is. And the, the second step is really kind of to de-escalate things and perhaps call ahead of time or to get to know a manager a little bit and to have a discussion in a less heated situation than at the compliance checkpoint. And that's, that's essentially what the lesson is about. Okay, so when I first read it, uh, that was, of course, the first thing I did was to zip over and, you know, I, I'm trying to go in order, so I want to see what is the one lesson because then once you have the one lesson, you know that the rest of the book will be an application of the lesson. And you said that there were three different ways you could approach this matter of trying to live a life without being masked. And that the third and least desirable of these was to point to some kind of uh, problem that prevents you from wearing a mask. Because there's, as you say, there's always a loophole when it comes to the mask wearing. So are you suggesting then that I should make something up and claim that I have a respiratory problem that I don't have? I mean, what's, what's the exact strategy? I think there's so many people who fit into the, the existing exemptions. There's, there's really millions of Americans who fit into the existing exemptions. Uh, Sonoma County, California, the, the exemption appears to be if a face mask causes you to have trouble to breathe. A lot of people fit into that exemption. That would be one example. And to simply look at the exemptions the way they're written right now, and to figure out if you fit into any of them, that's an easy way to do it. And I do, as you say, I call this the least desirable strategy. The more desirable strategy is for people to be 
to, to, to proudly say this thing doesn't work. I want nothing to do with it. Leave me alone or I'll take my business elsewhere. That's desirable. But I know there are many people who feel like they'd really like a law to rely on or a policy or something because they don't feel comfortable just being brusque. And this is kind of written for the person who's not ready to be brusque. Little training wheels, perhaps. Okay, so let's imagine I'm just an ordinary person. And in this situation, indeed I am. And let's say that it matters very much to me that I not have to wear a mask. The trouble is, it's not so much necessarily just the the, the county that has some mask mandate. It could also just be the, the policy of a store, that even if there were no mandate, there would still be some spontaneous policy. And in that case, I'm not dealing with a loophole that would exist across my county. I don't even know if each individual store has various exemptions that they make. And it seems like rather a thicket of differing policies to have to navigate in order to get a, away with this. Let's go with your local grocery store. Would you, is it more of a mom and pop or is it more of a chain that you shop at? It's a chain. Okay. So the chain's going to have some kind of national policy. And some of the chains let their local stores also have some say in what the policy is going to be. Uh, with the national chain backing it up. So something that you could do is to to ask for the policy. Sprouts would be an example of a regional chain that doesn't have exemptions of any nature that I know of. And Menards would be an example of a hardware store that has uh, no exemptions. But almost every single store I've encountered, almost every single story I've heard has talked about an exemption in a private setting once the company's over a certain size. Mom and pop might be a little different way to handle it. And you could simply, if you see yourself fitting into that exemption in some way, you could simply call the manager and say, hey, I wanted to come by and shop today. I had to look at your policy. I've got, in my case, I would say I've got a medical exemption under your policy. It's not safe for me to wear a face mask. I can't, I, I'm unable to wear a face mask safely. May I come by and shop still? Usually the manager says yes. Sometimes the manager says, hold on. Sometimes the manager wants to talk a little bit more about it. And I kind of go through that you know, what you might expect in that kind of situation. But I really, I've talked a lot of people through how to make sure you don't have to wear a mask again. And it really does work a lot, very well. I saw about a month ago, a study that found that flying actually, you might think that flying would be particularly dangerous activity in terms of contracting the virus. But the results found that actually it's extremely safe. It just as an interesting aside, I personally would have thought it would be the other way around, but it but it's not so. I would have now, thought that too. Did you notice, did it make any distinction between masked, unmasked? As I recall, if you dig deep into this, they initially they tried to make the study into evidence that masks work. Mm. But the thing is, if you look more deeply into the study, what it finds is that masks versus unmasked is such a trivial difference as to be not statistically significant, not even close to statistically significant. So that's a, if you were to just type into a search engine, something like uh, study finds flying safe and then virus, this will come up. It's a defense department study, I think. Oh. Uh, so for, for what that's worth. But, but anyway, now in your book, I, you know, I just had somebody on the show, uh, John Schaefer, he's a, he's a heavy metal musician. And he was saying that he just, unless he had a family emergency and he genuinely had no choice, he wouldn't fly if it meant having to wear a mask. He's just not going to do it. And he's somebody who racks up 100,000 miles a year normally, but he just refuses to do it. Now, you seem to have found one possible loophole with one particular airline. So it's, 
I don't know, seems a little bit uh, sketchy, but what is it? This is uh, United United and Delta both are both are a little uh, less strict than... Uh, oh, I was thinking Delta specifically. Okay, also United. Delta okay. specifically. United's a little less strict as well. Then a few others are very strict. So Delta specifically, they make it very hard to figure out what's going on with their exemption policy. And they really don't want you to show up and ask for an exemption at all, but they do have an exemption policy. And what they have is uh, when you check in, you can say, I have a medical exemption and you state to them, I'd like to speak to the, they have a doctor and the doctor's job is not to represent you as a patient. The doctor's job really is to get you on the phone and convince you that you need to wear a mask. So he's a little, you, he's abusing his white coat a little, I'd say in that situation, but he asks a lot of questions. What's your age? What's your condition? How have you treated it? And you go through that with them a little bit. And there are plenty of conditions that I've heard people relate to that those doctors and to uh, be able to fly Delta unmasked. Then there's a, a secondary, if for whatever reason that doesn't work for you, but that should work for you. The What the Delta doctor goes through is he kind of negotiates with you. Can you promise me you'll put the mask on every 10 minutes out of 30 minutes, every 20 minutes out of 60 minutes, things like this. There's a little negotiation that happens. Then there's an additional exemption on the airlines for people who feel that they have a legitimate exemption, a way that if that doctor wasn't as helpful as they needed the doctor to be, there's another way to kind of proceed unmasked. And this is when you're eating and drinking, you don't have to wear a mask. And flight attendants really don't like, as far as I can tell, they really don't like enforcing this rule. Um, but having something that's uh, really chewy with you and that can last a long time is a perfect thing to, to have. And you just enjoy it slowly through the flight. And what some people have done is uh, some chewing gum in the mouth and a bag of beef jerky on their lap in front of them. That's a, a helpful way that I've heard from. Oh, no, that's clever. Okay, that's clever. I had seen an article online in, in which some flight attendants had said anonymously, look, none of us want to enforce this ridiculous thing. We, we all know it's pointless and it's the last thing in the world we feel like doing. So if you want to get around it, you can use our eating and drinking policy as a way of getting around it. So that is definitely um, an approach somebody can take because I was just trying to advise somebody I know who just will not fly. And I just, I wanted the person to go to this particular place. So I was just like, look, just eat, <laughs> right? Just, just bring a, a whole bunch of chips and, and savor each one, savor the, the, the flavor palette of each one. And then, then we'll see what's what. It's great advice. So, I love it. It's great advice. Are there, now you have a lot of different examples that you've got in here. Obviously, some of these things must be lower hanging fruit than others. So what would be examples of, I mean, I, frankly, I see masks everywhere I go. I don't see that many people not wearing them. And I'm in Florida, which is a quote unquote open and free state. I see masks everywhere. So I can't imagine, frankly, there are a lot of places where it's easy to not wear them, except what tends to happen, I find, is that you discover little by little that this mom and pop store and this particular establishment, the people who work there aren't wearing them. So obviously they don't care if you wear them. And then it's kind of an unspoken understanding that everybody has. But are there some scenarios that are easier to navigate than others? Yeah, there's, there's plenty of easy scenarios. And I think kind of the further you get from the center of government, the, the easier it it gets to be like public transportation that can be a little bit challenging because you've got 
you're already sticking yourself inside of a box owned by the government and you're antagonizing the driver essentially until someone else owned by the government, a police officer with the ability to put you in a different government box comes along. Public transportation, I think, is just, it's a place where I wouldn't even want to screw around with something like this. And the local grocery store, you're going to have more of a situation where where people want to want to simply accommodate you. And then to get even further away from that kind of regulation, you know, you get the, the local barber. And barbers, these were the leaders in numerous states. Barbers were saying, I don't want to shut down. And even in the most lockdown states, barbers are, there's a, a black market for barbers. They go house to house. And it certainly violates the the lockdown orders, but that's what they're doing to stay alive. And barbers are just such intimate, they have such intimate knowledge of the economy They're with their role as entrepreneur. They they really, they know how many how many haircuts they need to do a day and they they know uh, what their what their monthly nut is and they know what their rent is and their tax and they they're just such great barometers of the economy so i think kind of that that closer you get to the customer the further you get from the government the more the more easy it is to kind of negotiate these situations and this dr woods the reason i i like this method least is because i'm in denial a little bit when you have a failed state a failed society even one way you know that it's failed is how important pieces of paper suddenly become to people. And if you go, if you go to Eastern Europe uh, or Central Europe in the fo- post-communist countries, you can find, I, I love those societies a lot, but it's really amazing how many, when you go to a paper supply kiosk, uh, an office supply kiosk, how many little doodads there are to stick onto official looking documents to make them look more official. And the more stamps and ribbons and uh, seals you have on a piece of paper, the more people will look at it and just bow down to the thing. And this, this method I describe, it's a kind of method, if you have to pull out a law instead of be able to negotiate with someone like two humans with two differing opinions that, that can find commonality, if you have to pull out a piece of paper instead, you are effectively admitting that you live in a failed state. Hey, everybody, just a quick break to thank our sponsor, Press House Coffee, the official coffee of the Tom Woods Show, the coffee that converted me into a coffee drinker. Now, I'm not sure they want me mentioning other coffees, but let me just say last night on my live stream event that I do with my top supporters, somebody said, it's so good, it made me cancel my blankety-blank coffee subscription. It's just that good. With Press House, whether you're looking for the best cup of familiar diner-style coffee you've ever had, or you want to be amazed by the wild, fruity notes coffee is capable of, you'll find something you love. And you know, my favorites by far are key lime pie and blueberry muffin. And remember, they're not just spraying some awful chemical on the coffee to make it taste like those things. They're blending actual coffees and getting these amazing results. Well, how about this for a gift idea this Christmas? With a Roaster's Choice subscription, your recipient can discover great coffees from around the world, one hand-selected bean at a time, delivered right to their door. Especially for that person who's so difficult to buy for, what a perfect gift. We'll take 20% off your first order and get a chance to win a year of free coffee by using promo code WOODS at checkout at PressHouseCoffee.com. That's 20% off your first order and a chance to win a year of free coffee when you use promo code WOODS at PressHouseCoffee.com. Let me read something from page 142 of your book. The section is called, Send Me Your Local Face Mask Order. And then you say... I don't really want to see your local face mask order. I want you to find your local face mask order because then we are one step closer to you reading your local face mask order. 
And that brings us one step closer to you understanding your local face mask order. And that brings us one step closer to someone thinking about your local face mask order. Because I have an interesting statistic for you. Since your local face mask order has been issued, not a single person has read it and thought about it. I challenge you to prove me wrong. Talk about that. Yeah, there's, you know, people have commented that memory is the essence of civilization. And this isn't just some person working a compliance checkpoint feels at the moment. That's not our civilization. It's it's not what it's not what some governor elected for the for the next few months feels at the moment. That that's not our civilization either. And laws can be done, laws can be used in, in negative ways and positive ways, just like any tool. But this is this is one tool we have at our disposal to say, I'm not going to let this person claiming authority over me to say whatever they feel, whatever they think at this moment is going to become the law of my life. No, I, I want to see the writing. I want to see, and maybe it was passed by some backroom bureaucrat, and maybe it's someone I don't want to give any credence to, honestly, but I at least want to see this piece of paper. And maybe we can agree that this piece of paper does have some credence and we're going we're gonna to negotiate around this piece of paper. But this is, this is so important just to it's very, very easy to simply search for your local face mask order and to read it. And, you know, Michigan, Michigan has that horrible governor. Their face mask order has exemptions a mile wide in it. If you go to church, you can't be punished for wearing a face mask, for stepping inside a church building. That's a beautiful exemption, if you ask me. But if you don't invoke your exemption, at some point, it's not the oppressor's fault that you're so oppressible. At some point, it's your job to say, I'm going to exercise every single right I can to be as free as I can. And in this situation, again, no one's asking you to storm any any foreign beaches with the the presumption that's protecting your liberties. I'm I'm just asking you to, you know, get up the gumption for a few seconds of saying, "Hey, you've got a different opinion of this than me. Let's talk it out." If you can do that, almost everyone, almost everyone is going to let you wear no face mask. This is they just want to go about their day and not get fired. They don't want to give you a hard time. There's a few people who have these ridiculous obsessions with giving others a hard time. That's like, I don't know, 5% of the population in customer service. The rest of them, they, they want you to have a nice, easy day, and they want to have a nice, easy day. You know, I still can't quite get over, I know that there will be a uh, fraction of people listening who, who will be frustrated by this episode, who will say, Woods, I'm willing to follow you on a lot of things, and I agree with you that these lockdowns are catastrophes and the government never has our best interests at heart. And I agree that medicine has been politicized, but I just feel like they think that the the virus is spread through droplets and that a mask physically restrains the emission of these droplets and keeps them to the, the issuer, uh, so to speak. And so the idea that I would spend my time trying to find ways to get out of that when the mask is the way we're going to get through this, or at least we'll satisfy the authorities if we wear it. I mean, I just, I know there are people who are just going to be incredulous that there's somebody going to all this trouble just to avoid wearing a mask. What is the prop? Why is it a problem? What does it matter? It's a small thing, they'll say. Why does it matter? And may, and it won't even go on forever. It's just during this emergency. You know, there's, there's Americans who, they saw in the early 2000s that all of a sudden, TSA was going to have people do things like uh, the I surrender pose, right? You're, you're, you're going to have to, every time you flew, you're going to have to stick your arms up in the air like someone's sticking a gun at you, pointing a gun at you. Every time you flew, if you didn't want to do that, you had to, you're going to get grabbed in uncomfortable places. Any mother who flew with 
3.5 ounces of breast milk is going to have to throw away her pump breast milk. Things like this, things like this started to become the norm. And there were people then, there were people then who said, no, I'm going to figure out the loophole. I'm never going to do that. I surrender pose. And they've never done it. And those people, you know, they've been, they've been exercising their muscles all this time. And this face mask rule came along. And those same people who wouldn't do the I surrender pose, they saw this face mask rule and it was a joke to them because they'd been exercising those muscles and they, they could see pointlessness from government. And I don't know, maybe, you know what? Maybe the face mask is as far as it goes. Maybe that's it. Maybe there's never any vaccine mandate. Maybe there's no tyranny in the world ever again. But as far as I understand, when a population allows there to be tyranny, tyranny occurs. And this, this face mask topic, it's a, a very minor way to just kind of start to exercise your muscles. And if you lay in bed, if you lay in bed for 20 years, your muscles atrophy. You can't get up and do jumping jacks 20 years after 20 years of laying in bed. And many, many Americans, even some of your listeners, may have been laying in bed for 20 years. And this is a very easy way to just start to flex those muscles a little bit because if you, if you will wear the face mask, you will take the vaccine. There's no question about that. And if you take the vaccine, there's way worse things you'll comply with. Okay, fair enough. So what do you make of the, what we're hearing that if we get this vaccine, presumably we're gonna get several vaccines, that even with the vaccine, people still need to wear masks. What, what, what was your thought when you, I, presumably you've heard them say that. What was your thought when you heard that? There's some people in society who, uh, you can call them all kinds of names. I think bully maybe is a good all-encompassing one. And uh, sometimes they seek out jobs where they can bully people. When you tell a bully no, that bully has less input over your life. When you tell a bully yes, that bully suddenly comes up with new ways to have input over your life. So if you tell him, I'll, I'll wear the mask, he might say to you, well, I need you to wear goggles too. Okay, I'll wear goggles. Well, I need you to, to, save, to save old people's lives. I need you to hop around my store on one foot for the next hour. That's the only way you can show you care about old people. And you can say, okay, I'll do that. And then he's going to want to come home and spit in your mother's food too, because that's the only way to save old people, to spit in your mother's food somehow, right? The bully, the bully will keep pushing. And the idea of wearing a face mask is as efficacious as jumping around in a store on one leg. It is as efficacious. And this, in April 3rd, April 3rd, the CDC changes its opinion about face masks, says everyone's going to wear face masks. And around me, April 2nd, I saw very few face masks. April 3rd, I hadn't seen the news, but I assumed the news had happened because there were so many people who suddenly started wearing face masks. Three weeks later, in a CDC journal of epidemiology, it's called Emerging Infectious Disease. Um, that's a CDC-run journal, peer-reviewed. Uh, Zhao, X-I-A-O, published a fantastic study in there in which she and her team uh, review, review 14 randomized controlled trials with laboratory confirmed results, not PCR tests. PCR tests are so bogus. So not PCR tests, laboratory confirmed results. And uh, Zhao's study says, we tried to figure out what would work for COVID. We don't want people engaging in superstition. Effectively, she calls face masks superstition. Face masks do not work. There is no proof it works. She goes further and she says, Dr. Woods, you tell me. I'm going to tell you a few things that Zhao points out about how a face mask should be worn if you want to even pretend it's going to be efficacious. Can you tell me how many of these things you've ever seen people engage in, let alone all of them? So one would be 
When you're wearing a mask, you should not make hand contact with the mask. If you do, it should be disposed of immediately. When you're wearing the mask, you should not make contact with your nose or mouth while wearing the mask. When you, if you do, it should be disposed of immediately. When you're wearing the mask, it must be placed on with sterile hands. The mask must be sterile when you first put it on. Masks are one use only. If masks get moist from your breath, you should change it immediately. I've never seen anyone follow this protocol. This is World Health Organization protocol going back more than a decade in which the World Health Organization says, if you don't follow this kind of protocol, it can actually be bad for people if you wear the mask because you're wearing this dirty thing on your face. I've never seen anyone follow this protocol. There has been talk of a national mask mandate under a President Biden. What are your thoughts about that, whether it's likely to happen, if there'll be resistance to it? What do you think? I think we don't live in a society yet where there won't be exemptions. I think it's, it's foolhardy to mandate anything, anything medical. And this is, this is a medical decision. And this, this just gets right at the point of the beauty of what is medicine and the ill that is public health. And medicine, it has a 2,500-year-old history going back, back to the Hippocratic Oath and before that. And there's this concept of the individual doctor, the individual patient, the two of them against the world, essentially, in many ways. The Hippocratic Oath says this in so many ways. And then you have public health, which came along in a real dirty era, the 1870s, 1880s. You get this public health concepts sort of springing up in the UK and in, uh, on the East Coast of the US. And it, it really is this collectivist approach towards medicine that has nothing to do with medicine itself. It's, it's really this collectivist kind of idea. And the two of them, medicine and public health, are so at odds with each other. But the more and more these, the, the, the technocrats and the two industries get together, the professionals in the two industries get together, the more and more it kind of uh, makes medicine more and more unpleasant. This, these are individual decisions. And if we don't protect our individual decisions, we don't get individual decisions. You need to protect the boundaries around your liberty. You need to protect the boundaries around other people's liberty. We learned from uh, Martin Niemöller, who ran around after World War II, saying first they came for the socialists, then they came for the communists, then they came for the trade unionists. And by the time they came for me, no one was around to speak up for me, right? We, we need not only to be defending ourselves and saying there must be not, we must not be wearing face masks. We need to be giving the manager a hard time for making his employees wear face masks. And it shouldn't just be about face masks. It should be all about all kinds of things. We need to be protecting ourselves and others. And if we don't, we won't have much more liberty left for ourselves. These are muscles you need to exercise in your own life, and your life becomes more free. And that's how it works, in my opinion, in the opinion of this book, which is a little bit of philosophy and a little bit of how-to. Well, you can get that book, Face Masks in One Lesson, uh, linked on our show notes page, tomwoods.com slash 1788. And check that out. This is the second episode I've done on masks from two different uh, angles, but drawing more or less the same kind of conclusion. And uh, Alan, I appreciate the time. And as I say, this is about as thorough and detailed an examination of this as anyone could possibly have asked for or expected. And, uh, and you did it and delivered. So uh, congratulations on that. And thanks for your time. Dr. Woods, thank you. And thank you for uh, congratulations on episode 1788. That's beautiful. Thank you very much. Now, you would think with 1787, 1788, that I would do some kind of U.S. Constitution episode, whatever. But I have told the audience, look, as soon as I go down that numerology 
path, there's no coming back. Then every episode will have to be on some historical event. To heck with that. So 1788 is face masks. Come at me. So <laughs> thanks, Alan. Thank you. Have a great day. All right, folks, that is our episode for today. Nothing left for me to say today. I don't know what we're going to do tomorrow. I probably have some things on my mind that I'm going to exploit the fact that I'm a podcast host uh, with and just yammer in front of the microphone for a while. Sometimes that does the soul good. So look forward to that, everybody. (laughs) I'll see you tomorrow. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit TomWoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time. Like the sound of The Tom Woods Show? My audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at podsworth.com.